Shivani, we bout to party, we bout to party, unrestricted, got the house now, we gon' turn it up, up, bring the house down, got that big space pump and make them bounce now, flossing like they bossing and the freaks are coming out now. Time everyone for another edition of AEW Unrestricted, we are the official podcast of All Elite Wrestling, Tony Shivani and Aubrey Edwards, what's up Aubrey? Hi, hello, how are you? I'm beating up, thrown around, working for a living. Da 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 da. Working for a living. <laughs> I love it. Love it. I was like, beat up, thrown around. What are you doing? You getting in the ring now? No, I'm just doing too much in my life. That's all. Thank God. But you know, yeah, thank God is right for an old man to be able to do all this stuff. Right? Yeah. Jeez. Hey, Swerve Strickland is our guest. Hey, Swerve. Yes. You. How are you, brother? I'm great, man. You know, I'm always on the move. So I just get my workout in and I got a full day of, uh, Maneuvering, doing what I got to do. You know how it is? I do. Maneuvering. Yes. That's what we all do, right? <laughs> you know, it never stops. You never stop moving, man. It is, uh, first of all, it is really great to have you in AEW. I know you and I worked in MLW for a time. It was great when I found out you were coming in. Thank you. And all of a sudden here, after you're in, not too long after you arrive, you become a champion in AEW. Wild. And, uh, yeah. You and Keith Lee are AEW World Tag Team Champions. I'm going to hit this one first of all. First question is: It's not even on the our our list. Here, I don't think. What you're going off script already? Yeah, Jeez. I love it. How did whose house Swerve's house start? So uh, funny story with this. Uh, it was actually in Defy in uh, 2016. Me versus Leo Rush. I remember that. Yep. Yep. Uh, some fan was like bickering or jaw jacking at me, and I like literally stopped the match. And like went over to that corner and like said something about uh it was along the lines I'm like oh don't don't forget this is a uh, Swerve's house and the whole crowd just like erupted and it went into whose house Swerve's house chant that was like back in 2016 wow and I was like oh, okay cool and uh, uh that match just like made its rounds all around like the independent circuit and that went overseas too and in the UK started picking up on whose house Swerve's house and then LA started picking up on whose house Swerve's house. Then when I went to Evolve on the East Coast, up and down the East Coast, it was like, whose house, Swerve's house, all just from that one clip. Wow. I never started the chant either. It was just a natural thing. And then my favorite my favorite football team is the LA Rams. And lo and behold, when they moved over to the SoFi Stadium, their slogan was, whose house, Rams house. And I was like, huh, <laughs> interesting. Maybe they're wrestling <laughs> fans. Who would have known? I need to find out the origin of that. I really do. I need, I need to start looking through my sort resources and figure out, all right, how did this start up with the slang, the slogan going around the entire arena, literally the words and phrasing. It's one of those things where it's like good artists create better artists steal. So it's definitely plausible that they're all actually just wrestling fans. I'm more okay. I'm way more than okay with that. You know, so because I, I like my team won the Super Bowl using my slogan, you know, I'm just saying. So uh, yeah, I'm mad at it. We need to get you uh, in. You, have you gone to a game at SoFi? I have not been to SoFi Stadium yet. I want to so bad. Yeah, well, we were next door at the Forum. Uh, so uh, I was just thinking maybe that they can get you on the PA with a with a video. Please. Say at whose house, Ram's house, or something like that. Please. I'm, I swear I'm about to become an adoptive L.A. resident, man. I swear I love that city so much, and I love the team. You know what? I love L.A. too. I do. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. 
the LA thing definitely makes sense just because, I mean, you and Keith Lee have been doing the whole Shaq and Kobe type thing. And it's just like, it works real well just because anyone who does know the reference, like those two guys kind of never really got along, but they were winning championships together. Go figure. It's almost like it was foreshadowing. Congratulations, champ. <laughs> you know, it was like a little idea that was planted and um, being friends with Jeff Hamilton, who makes my jackets, my ring jackets and stuff. He's like literally handed Shaq and Kobe their jackets when they won the championships. He designed them jackets when they won their first ones in the form, like, you know, so it was just like, wow, this is like kind of poetic in, in a sense. So I like where it took us like, you know, destiny wise, filling that prophecy, you should say, winning championship gold. This is uh, not your first foyer into championship gold. You've got quite, quite a history. You've got MLW World Heavyweight Champion, Evolve Champion, CZW Wired TV Champion, CZW World Heavyweight Champion, Defy Champion twice over, PCW Ultra Heavyweight Champion, and now you're obviously the tag team champs with Keith Lee. So yeah. fantastic resume. It's absolutely incredible. And I remember that match in 2016. I hadn't refed yet. But I was up in the rafters, and I remember that Leo Rush came out with his like paint on his chest. That that match was incredible, absolutely incredible. Thank you. Anyway, Thank you. Let's talk about the current. You won the championship at uh, Fighter Fest Night One, Swerve in Our Glory versus Young Bucks versus Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks. It was an absolutely incredible match. Can you talk about what it was like from your perspective? From my perspective, it was just like seeing everybody was like dialed in from second to second to second to sequence to sequence to sequence. Everybody was on their A game. Just seeing the progression of just the little time that me and Keith working with Starks and Hobbs, how they just elevated their game time and time and time again from like our match, our tag match in New Orleans, which was my AEW Dynamite debut, to our triple threat between me, Jungle Boy, and Ricky Starks, to Hobbs' singles match with Keith Lee to our triple threat at double or nothing, you know, like just seeing that progression, how they elevated their game is just incredible to see. I knew it was going to be tough. And, you know, and the Bucks are the Bucks. They're just a legend in themselves. You know, they're like the top of the food chain when it comes to AEW, but also when it comes to tag team wrestling in any genre, any decade, I feel like they are literally the top five in any conversation just to, for everybody to just be, dialed in like that is incredible you don't really get those uh, moments like that with a crowd that hot in savannah our debut in savannah georgia on top of that it was just all the stars aligned and then like um i said this in the post match after we won the tag team championships in the ring just seeing where keith came from you know he was just like at the higher heights in pro wrestling then hitting the low of lows and then his health concerns and then not knowing if he'd be alive or even be able to step in the ring again to coming back to pro wrestling and coming to AEW to me like I was in the arena in all those arenas and like the height of his careers and then possibly knowing that man like this dude may not be able to like be in this tip-top shape ever again to doing this with him and winning the tag team championships there's a lot of like I have a lot of pride in that man I got a, pr a lot of pride in our tag team all the glory to the man that's what like basking the glory is a true true testament to who he is so like all glory goes to that man Keith Lee you know and for putting up with me and these promos every week. <laughs> well, listen, they're entertaining promos. Uh, the fans get it. The fans are into it. So uh, kudos for that. You and Keith started teaming not too long after you first came in. Whose idea was that? How did that all develop where you guys will become a tag team? Um, I honestly believe there was an injury that happened. Keith was supposed to, like, 
side with somebody else, and I'm, I can't remember the name, I can't remember the person. Okay. There was a familiar familiarity between me and Keith, like back in like before Keith signed and left the Indies. Like me and him used to tag overseas, and we had like some fun matches in you know like AAW and stuff in Chicago when we used to tag there. You know we competed against a lot of some of the best, like like Zack Saber Jr. and like Pentagon and all these other guys right. in tag team before. So it was like, oh man, like you guys are familiar with each other. I think you should fill in for this guy that Keith, we had an idea of Keith tagging with. I was like, Oh, that's easy. That's fine. We can definitely make some magic there. And sure enough, like we just like gelled right away. It was like, we missed no time in the five years since we've tagged before. It was just instant chemistry. And then we just picked up new things along the way. Honestly, we never, we, we cut promos before, but we never did it like on a weekly basis like that. And we just started like, my goal is to make Keith laugh in some sense every week at TV. Before we go through the curtain, before we start the camera rolling, before anything, I'm like, I got to make this guy laugh. And in that, you see that energy continue into whatever we're going to do on camera. Just kind of going back a little bit because, you know, we touched on the Shaq Kobe thing and you and Keith having such great chemistry. But then there's this moment where you eliminate Keith from the Battle Royal to get a chance at the Interim Heavyweight Championship. How did you and Keith manage to sort of put that behind you and move on? Honestly, it was just like the understanding that we're still both single stars. We're still both individuals that want to win individual gold. Right. We know we're a powerhouse together. It's almost like, I'm, I'm like once again, going back to the Kobe and Shaq thing, they've thrown basketballs at each other when at practice. Somebody missed a play. Somebody was going into business for themselves a little bit to try to, you know, be the star of the team. It's like, hold up. We can, we can win individually, but we can like dominate together. It was one of those like, type of come to realization moments that's just like you know and, and we had a common enemy at the time with like starks and hobbs rubbing those wins in our faces like oh you never beat us i'm like all right we'll put this aside we'll handle this later but we gotta deal with these guys and i feel like having the common enemy that's where we really like gel together all right let's get get back together let's beat these two asses and then we'll resolve this and if there's championship gold individually or tag team at the end of this we'll cross that road when we get to it you know what i mean i really feel like it was just like the competitive nature I, I feel like once again this is like the most competitive roster in wrestling there is and if you don't have a competitive nature you're in the wrong business and you're in the wrong company so you need to be like always trying to like climb to the top fight scratch claw to try to even just get opportunities let alone to get championship wins just you know what i mean so we figured we were better off doing that together rather than separate we're talking to Swerve Strickland. Swerve, you guys uh, had a moment in Atlanta. Kevin Gates, your buddies at ringside, megastar. This whole angle with uh, the petition and Mark Sterling <laughs> yeah. uh, gave us really one of the more entertaining segments we've had in a long, long time. Talk about that, how that came together, because that was quite a moment. That really was. I feel like that's what the beauty of what we do. We're not just like, a pro wrestling company, there's still entertainment aspects in there. You know, you want that crossover appeal. Right. I know. And I realize, like, man, if I can't have like a match on the show or the, the best match on the show, I'm going to try to get some standout moments that just like, it doesn't have to be me wrestling. I want to still entertain people. I want people to just enjoy my presence on TV. Right. Having the connections that I have in the music industry, like going through like bookies and promoters and producers and stuff like that. This guy, he was like, Hey man, I see what you did with like Jeff Hamilton in LA. 
or I book um, Kevin Gates. This is like a month and a half ago at a convention that I did. He was like, I, I booked Kevin Gates, man. Like, and I'm a huge wrestling fan. Kevin is too, but he hasn't watched it in a while. Do you think there's a way we can like get him in there, you know, just to do something? Cause he's never done anything like this. I'm like, Oh, watch me work. Absolutely. And I just kept putting the bug in Tony Khan's ear week after week. Not like a long conversation, just 30 seconds. Like, Hey, Kevin Gates. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. We the, the following week. Hey, Hey, remember I got Kevin Gates coming. You know, he's like, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. I'm like, Hey, Kevin, we got to talk about it. Hey, so like just inching, inching, inching. And sure enough, all the stars aligned because Kevin could get his schedule so busy. He can just get like instant text, email, phone call. Boom. He has to be in L.A. that night. So the fact that he took the time out of his busy schedule, you know, to come in and play around with us in AEW, have us go viral on all these different social platforms, you know, like hip hop's the number one genre in the world. You know, as far as music and stuff, and it's like a cultural thing. Just having AEW's like clips get in those like, like those shade room forums. I have a 27 million followers. We're getting like three million likes and views on these things, like on Double XL, on Complex, on No Jumper, on Shade Room. That's a pretty big deal. Even TMZ picked up on it. So just to like have that crossover appeal, and me just to contribute like five minutes of TV time for it to work like that. I'm really proud of that. You know, I'm happy that. And like, once again, Keith Lee's involved and Mark Sterling, Tony Nice, And it was like Kevin Gates punches wrestler. It was like Kevin Gates punches Tony Nice. I'm like, Hey, Tony, Hey, people know you. <laughs> Some people in that forum know you now, bro. So right. it was a fun, entertaining thing. And that's what I like to do. I like to entertain, but I also like to whoop ass and like win championships in the ring. It's also a television product, man. Let's make good television. Yeah, it was. Uh, and I've seen a lot of cake spots in wrestling. Maybe the best cake spot I've ever seen. He had just a cakeable face. His positioning <laughs> was great. Mark Stone's a boxy guy. You know, he has a cubicle face. So I figured, like, if I <laughs> place this right and I flip it with the right, like, it was like geometry, man. It's like if I get the right acute angle to go into a 90-degree angle, you know, E equals MC squared times, you know. So <laughs> I don't know if that's meant. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. But it just worked out properly. <laughs> it worked out great. Different subject, different subject, sure. but I'll allow it. Sure. It's I, fine. I failed that class anyway. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's all good. You're doing quite well for yourself. We're talking <laughs> to Swerve Strickland here on AEW Unrestricted. I've already touched on all of the championships he's won, tag team stuff, but we've got so much more to talk about coming up. This is AEW Unrestricted. Tony and Aubrey here with the amazing... Swerve Strickland, current AEW Tag Team Champion with Keith Lee. Super exciting conversation. Talking about hip-hop, talking about capable faces. Capable faces. That's a good term. I think we should add that to wrestling. I don't even know if that's an insult anymore. I don't know if that's an insult. You have a capable face. Like, thank you. And keep going on with your day. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, let me figure out how to throw a cake spot into the storyline. I have saying. such a capable face. You have a capable <laughs> face. <laughs> All right, let's talk about how you sort of got into wrestling. Started wrestling training at 18. You were in the military while you started training? I had That first six months of wrestling training was like probably the hardest point of my life. And I feel like I figured that's what, what really geared me for the long journey, what pro wrestling can be. Because uh, seven, around eight, seven, 17, 18, I just got out of my military training. I did six months in uh, Fort Jackson, South Carolina. Oh, I did two months in Fort Jackson. Then I went directly from that to Fort Gordon, Georgia, and I did another six months there. So I did like eight to eight months total 
military training. I was a signal support communication specialist. 25 uniform is the job title. And that was like two weeks after I graduated high school, I went right to the military. Damn. Yeah. So I didn't get no break. It was just like full on go by the age of 17. Coming out of that, turned 18, started my wrestling training in uh, Richmond, Virginia. After a month of training, um, I met Mia Yim. She came around and she was training a little bit at the Ground Zero Wrestling in Richmond at the time. So me and her go 13 years back. So that personal rivalry feud is never going to go away. So <laughs> then my oldest daughter was born when I was training. Uh, so and then I kept getting hounded from like the mother of my kid and my father who saw wrestling. He he was, thought it was cool that I had a after school activity because I was doing school at the time, too, for ITT Tech. But he's like, I think you should get a trade, too. So, you know, I started a job working in the cemetery. So all at, all at the age of 18, I was like driving back and forth between Virginia and Pennsylvania for my military and to see my daughter who lived in Pennsylvania at the time. And then coming back, starting doing a job, going to dressing training and doing school all at 18. And I knew I couldn't do all of it or like something had to give. So I just sacrificed school at the time and just put a lot more into like just having finding the way to just make money, work these little odd jobs here and there. After that, I went back up to Pennsylvania, got closer to my daughter, found another job. And my second daughter was born like a year and a half later. So now I had two kids to take care of and look after while doing this wrestling journey that I was earning like 50 to 75 bucks. Made, and I wasn't doing like every weekend either. You know, I look at like Nick Wayne, who's 17. I'm like, man, you're getting a flight set 16 years old? What? I know, dude. That kid's wild. Homie, 16, you're getting flights and working every weekend, sometimes two to three times. I wasn't and like I wasn't getting those opportunities and, and I still had to take trains and hitch rides, maybe borrow a car every once in a while. But those are like few and far between every once in a while to get bookings. And if they were every weekend, it wasn't a lot of money. So like the struggle was hard. But then I, I just stayed consistent with it. And then like I was getting hounded. I, I have a lot of women in my family, two daughters, two mothers of my kids, like sisters, moms and stuff like that. Moms, aunts, cousins, all that. So a lot of times as the only man, they look at you for providing and stuff like that. So I like more and more, I was like going into wrestling. It was, I kept getting hounded about responsibility and where my priorities lied and stuff. And people, they say these things, especially the people, the closest loved ones to you, they say these things to help motivate you and just to make sure that you're on track doing the right things. But sometimes it can be discouraging and they don't mean to be a discouragement to you. They just trying to say what's best for you, what they observe. But it's hard to put them in your perspective to see what your vision is because it's your vision for you. They don't see the results at the end of them. They just see like a grind. Right. Most people want to see the results first and it doesn't work like that. I've seen all these things like all this, this whole vision of what I wanted to be, what I knew I could do because I had it so hard at the beginning. So I know like, oh, nothing's going to be harder than this. So I'm going to keep pushing forward because I already had the difficulty first. So it was just only going to just progress me forward even more for me to want it that much more at the end. Because I was working hard to try to get all these things that I I set for myself early on. So it just kept trying to prove people wrong, prove people wrong. And I still have that in me now. I love proving people wrong. I love people saying like, oh, we don't see it in you yet. That's cool. I love that. Because at the end, I'm going to make you feel like, dang, I should have believed in them in the first place because I've been doing that for 13 years now. 
You should have believed in me in the first place. And if you don't, I'm going to make you look stupid in the end. So I have a lot of that pent up stuff still. And that keeps me grinding, even from when it's pro wrestling to music to acting or to whatever else I do, podcasting. I always want to keep driving forward because I see my results first. You have a, uh, a tremendous positive perspective on life. Obviously, a tremendous work ethic. There's no doubt. I hear you talk about women in your life and you're very positive on my end. I call it with my daughter, my wife, just telling me what to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, sometimes I have to sacrifice that, too. I'm like, you know what? I- I'm going to lose this battle. That's OK. Right. No problem. Uh, you uh, debuted at Combat Zone Wrestling in uh, 2012. Uh, wrestled a match in Germany for combat. What was it like to uh, wrestle in Germany? Man, that was a, a crazy experience. It was awesome, though. Like, I went with, like, a crazy core group of guys. I was there with, like, uh, Swan and, like, Biff Busick and Drew Gulak. A lot of these, like, top-tier talents at the time. They were top-tier talents before they became the household names that you hear about now. Yeah. They were top-tier then. That was, uh, honestly, when I met Malachi Black for the first time. We became friends instantly when I went over there. Right. And he showed us around in Germany. That was also when I uh, met and got in the ring with Will Ospreay for the first time when he was 19 years old. Wow. So, he, and funny story, uh, Will will be a testament to this. He said, uh, he said uh, he never seen a Spanish fly before, before he got in the ring with me. And then, so he just started doing a Spanish fly after I did it in the ring with him. Wow. And he did it better than me. So I was like, you got it. You got it. It's all yours. <laughs> so ever since then, he started doing the Spanish fly. He was someone I just knew was just going to be like, oh, this guy's going to take the wrestling world by storm. Once he really gets traveling and gets on these planes and starts getting to Japan and this use in the United States, he's going to turn the wrestling world upside down. And then sure enough, that's what he did. I met Mandrews for the first time, got in the ring with Pete Dunne for the first time. But just opened up this wave of talent that like the world hasn't really seen yet, really like tapped into. And that's what changed my perspective on wrestling, too. When I came back to the States, I'm like, man, this the guys coming over here, they're like 18, 19 years old, and they're already got it. You know, so that that, that was my first experience with just going over there and then going back over and over more and more and more, becoming a regular over in the UK and the Germany scene. You can't help but just be inspired and get better. Also, that is like a lot of people are talking about just trying to be the best in the world. I'm like, that's cool. But. At this stage in wrestling in 2022, everybody's the best wrestler in the world. It's about being the most unique in the world. How can you be you? How can you innovate? Not just like in ring, but just be like, how can people feel for you a different way that they feel for another wrestler? We're seeing like, like Logan Paul have banger matches already. You know, we're seeing like all these guys like Shaq and Snoop Dogg can like go out there and kill it. (laughs) You know, so it's not even about being the best wrestler. I'm like, how can you be the most unique you you can be in a roster or locker room, a television product, wherever you go, that you can be like and stand out and just like make your own lane. That's what my challenge is for the people in wrestling trying to get on now. Don't just try to be the best wrestler in the world. Just be the most unique you you can be. So the first time I was introduced to you was uh, Lucha Underground. You wrestled under a mask as Kill Shot. How how did that character come around? How did that booking come around? I actually wrote it. So season one, I just came in, did like a, two tryout matches. It was like big scramble matches. I was like tagged with Willie Mack on one of them. It was like two days. I did Saturday and Sunday. And uh, Sunday, I tagged Willie Mack in like a crazy scramble match. And they we ended up winning the match. 
And Conan was the one that actually got me the tryout matches because uh, he saw my match with Mike Bailey in CCW. After that, they they just like wanted to put a mask on me and they said, you come up with a name. Okay, cool. So me and um, a buddy of mine, Lucha Dragon, back in CCW, when I went home, I came up, we came up with characters and names and came up with Killshot. I sent them the name and they made the mask based off of that name. So I have the crosshair mark on the forehead and all that stuff. So they just kind of came up with something real quick, quick sketch. They didn't really give me much of a background, but they put me with like um, Willie Mack and uh, Ezekiel Jackson at the time. Well, his name was uh, uh, Big Rick. So the tag team didn't last very long. I think like that was like the first time like you didn't see it on TV, but we bombed the first match. It wasn't really good. Things were just falling apart. And we had to the next day we end up doing the match again. We actually had a good match the following day, and we were supposed to win the trios titles on the debut of them, but we bombed so bad they switched it and put the titles on everybody else. And I promised myself, like, I'm never going to bomb ever like that again. I like after that night, I sat in my room in the hotel room. I was getting text calls to come out, hey, come out, hang out. I was like, no, I'm soaking, and I I sulked. I never sulk after matches, especially that late in my career when I figured I thought I was getting it. I thought I was like, okay, yeah, I'm killing it right now. And then that was just like that reality check. It just like, boom, hit me. And I was like, no, I'm going to sulk in this pain a little bit. I'm going to figure this out. I'm never going to have a moment like that in my wrestling career ever again. And then sure enough, we came back and killed it. And the season one finished off. And we didn't. that was around the time we didn't know when we were getting a season two, if we were going to get a season two. And it was like six months later. I took that time and just wrote out a character and a background. And I wrote like three stories. And I submitted it to Krista Joseph, the head writer of the show. He liked it so much. He was like, all right, cool. We're going to combine all these ideas in a sense. We're going to do some vignettes with you. And sure enough, and I was thinking, like, once again, I can't be the flashiest wrestler there. There's no way I'm going to be the highest flyer, the flashiest, the best luchador. Once again, my point of being like, you're not going to be the best wrestler in the world. Stop trying to chase that. Just be the most unique you. So I'm like, I'm not going to fly higher than Ricochet. I'm not going to jump any higher than Angelico off the top of the uh, Dario Poito's office. I'm not going to be better springboard guy than Ray Phoenix or Aerostar. I'm not going to be smoother than Jack Evans. There's no way I'm going to have the bigger personality of a Johnny Mundo or John Morrison. It's just not possible to even run that race. It would just be stupid and asinine for me. So I came up with, you know what? Everybody's an Aztecan luchador. Let me go this way and actually be an actual person with like strengths and weaknesses. I can actually be hurt. I can, I have these, weaknesses and stuff too so i came up with the military aspect and used my military background to put it in there and how that's how kill shot was born and they made a vignette that's like me sniping and doing all these infantry shooting people and all this other stuff and people like oh we know who that is it was identifiable and it took off rather quickly the season two into season three and then it was just like we went into the weapons of mass destruction match in season three with marty the moth so now my character that I created was creating match types right? like that is dressing the entire arena. And then um, Dante Fox or AR Fox came in mid season, season three to the end of season three, where we had the hell of war match. So now my character created another character off of these match types. So it's just like another, it's just an idea that just kept spiraling and spiraling and spiraling. That's how I just figured out, you know what? Let's stop trying to be, I'm going to be better than him. I'll be better than him. No, I'm going to be just unique as possible. If everybody's going this way on the highway, I'm going to veer off and take the detour and find a different route to get to the same destination. Whether I get there before people or after people, at least I'm taking my own lane to get to the same destination. And that's where everything really 
start coming together to me as far as like a personality and wrestle. Then when I went back to the Indies after the season was over, I really started playing with like the music side of uh, my passions and really started turning up into like Swerve Strickland and really started like International King of Swerve and getting people to sing along to Shaka Khan. And then like, you know, really started like adapting to that side of me. So I was wearing different hats on both shows between the Indies and Lucha Underground. And that's where I was like, okay, I think I'm figuring this out. I think I'm realizing how to really tap into like myself, just different parts of myself, not just to like, just do it, but get people to understand and connect with me. We'll, we'll talk to more with Sora Strickland. Talk about uh, actually uh, some of his uh, music background. And we have fan questions when we return on AEW Unrestricted. Awesome. AEW Unrestricted, we're talking with Swerve Strickland. Uh, before we get to fan questions, uh, the name Swerve actually was inspired by a Kanye West song lyric. Is that right? Correct. It was uh, Big Sean, actually, in a Kanye West song. Very cool. And you released your own album this past March called Tears. What inspired you to start rapping and uh, writing, creating music and beats? Um, honestly, it was like a it was my co-host on my podcast, Montezzi, who's been doing it for years. He's been like signed to Rough Rider at age 17, working with like DMX and Drag On and, and like mentored by Buster Rhymes and stuff. Right. He interviewed me like a couple years ago when I first moved down to uh, Orlando, like 2017. And we just gelled so much with like talking about music and wrestling. And we was like, yo, let's do a podcast. So we hit up uh, high spots and we started doing some swerve talk dvds conversations and we had like conan come on we had leo rush come through moose come come in we had ricochet on a couple so pride and powerful came on and stuff and we just like it was just like a bunch of guys talking music and wrestling which you don't really hear off of hear that often in like wrestling interviews you know they everybody wants to hear the dirt of pro wrestling when you hear like shoot interviews yeah i mean you can still like talk and like air out your grievances but like let's like talk about who you are as a person without the wrestling that's what we really wanted to get into. And we sold about like three or four of them, different versions of volumes of them. So we just wanted to just take the next step and do the podcast. So we just did some a couple IG lives and Facebook lives and stuff. Nothing crazy. Just like see how we gel with chemistry and timing of doing a podcast. And then we brought in some friends of ours, some connections, and we formed the Source City podcast. He always said, the way you talk about music, man, I think you can actually do it. And I was like, no, no, there's no way. I can't do this stuff. And he was like, no, I think you can. So we set up a studio session, like a two-hour session. I drove down to St. Pete, Florida. It was about two hours from me. And started working with uh, Shadi T, who's a, a stylish NT entertainment studios, who he's worked with Kevin Gates when he started his career. He's worked with like Juvenile. He's worked with uh, B.O.B. You name him. He's been in the studio with these guys and formulated uh, records like Rod Wave and stuff. So... His ear for knowing a good sound is really keen. So if I can win this guy over, I know I'm kind of on the right path. And the first session was like, eh, we kind of took what I recorded and scrapped it. Then the next record we wrote was Broke Boys. And I came up with that concept and I started writing. It really took off. And that's when we had uh, Big Swole come in, sing the hook to it. And it really took off. And I was like, that's where I got the bug. I was like, okay, I can create now. I know how to create. I'm not good at making beats, but I'm good at creating. And three albums later, all three of our albums that are on all the streaming platforms, Swerve City, the first one was from Humble Beginnings. Then the second one, we got into 
GPS. That's where I started reaching out and getting features for the first time and getting zombie juice from Flatbush Zombies to come in, Mickey Fax to come in, who's a double XL freshman, you know, getting John Connor to come in, who used to be signed with Shady Aftermath, worked under Dr. Dre. And like, I saw, I really started tapping in. Then our last album that just came out in March, Tears, is like probably our finest work that we've done. We really took all these elements and put them together and putting lyrical raps together, working with Bridges and Kane from the UK, music soul child and R&B legend. We created classic hits and making these connections in music and the other other guys who's like our legend stuff just being like, hey, yo, this is actually really good. Just hearing that cosign from them and just really putting them their stamp of approval on me. It was something that's like it fulfilled me and something I never thought I would do. So like that was one of the things like, I implore people to like people are afraid to take these chances and do stuff that they never thought they could do because they're afraid of failing. I failed many times before I failed early on. And that gave me the courage to really start jumping into things because what's the worst that could happen? You're going to fail. Well, I did that. I experienced that already. You know, people don't want to fight because they've never been hit in the face before. You get hit in the face. What's the worst that can happen when you fight somebody else now? You know, like, well, don't fight. But <laughs> <laughs> but also, but even, even I don't employ people to fight, but don't be afraid of those outcomes. People are afraid of what they don't know. But when you experience it, you kind of become like a little to take that weight off your shoulders. And that's what music was for me. You know, like music really just opened up the whole thing. I'm like, wow, I really feel like I can do anything now. Being the success of like meeting, the, knowing Kevin Gates and bringing him in to do these things. I'm like, okay, now that I know how far my extension in music can really go. Now I'm excited to see how much further it can go. Let me try this. Okay, that worked. Let me try this. Let me tap into all these things. That's where I get excited about these things to try to do more. And that's where like, I never thought I could do something to going like, nah, I feel limitless with this. No pun intended. Keith Lee, tag team champion. What up? Like, let me like really reach out and really expand my wings to see as far as how far I can really fly. I want to try to get into the stratosphere with certain things now. Just because I tried it, failed. Let me try it again. Okay, that worked out a little bit better. Now, really just keep tapping that same button over and over again until you really take off and do like... You know, then you can get to the point you're changing the game. What a positive outlook. Absolutely love it. Now you're seeing success in all these different industries. Super awesome. Yeah. Uh, we're going to jump to fan questions. Tony, I'm going to jump down the list a little bit since we're just talking about music. Sure. Because I'm legitimately interested in this one. Chris D on Twitter asks, when will you have a rap battle against Max Caster? I don't really battle. I'm more like just I like to be in the studio and create. When? I don't know. The, time, the opportunity has to present itself properly. I don't just rap to rap. It's like, hey, I see you're athletic. Do a flip. Nah. <laughs> like, no, it's like it has to work out properly, you know, and I got to like really tap into my battle rap side because I've never done it. But I have spit bars and stuff like that. I've done ciphers live on TV. But battling is a whole nother art form. That's actually like capping back and forth with people and being keen and you have to come up with some really good stuff. Um, remember that show, Your Mama on MTV? Yep. You got to go in the person's room and figure out, oh, I can use this against them in a battle. I got to have to go into stuff and use, oh, this against them in a battle. Use this against them in a battle. And really like, and I'm like, and battle rap can go a little far. And I like to be friends with people. So I don't want to do that. Uh, this question comes from Papa underscore who at Papa underscore who. If you were to enter the trios tournament that we're having here in AEW, besides Keith Lee, who would be the third man you'd choose? A, A.R. Fox, B, Willie Mack, or C, Matt Cross? 
it's funny. I won tag team gold with all those guys. Right. <laughs> AR Fox is like the other world version of me. Right. So we're so, we're so similar, but so opposite in so many ways that our chemistry is on point instantly. So I would say AR Fox for that one, even though I love Willie, but we got it. We got a heavy guy already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's definitely true. I can't be the only, I can't be the only light guy. No. Okay. <laughs> That kind of leads to uh, maybe you bumping a little bit more, and that just might be a bad idea. So let's let's move away from that. Yeah, I'm like, all right, all right guys, come on! Like, I can't hot tag it all the time, man. I'm like, God, Lee, <laughs> help me. All right, this question comes from Drea. How'd you feel about your time in NXT? Personally, I loved Hit Row and was excited to see you as North American champ, but it seems like the run got cut very short before even your release. Oh, that's just management thing. That was a management decision. Hit Row wasn't even supposed to be like. It wasn't a, our creation. It was a Triple H decision to put us together. Uh, they were doing. They were supposed to be vamping up like an Evolve type of project that was going to be network exclusive. And Hitmakers was going to be Top Dollar, Ashante, and Brianna. They were supposed to be that group together. But uh, I started catching a lot of steam on television when I got my solo run, arguing with Triple H every couple three a couple months. And he finally like, all right, time to honestly it was Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels went to bat for me because he just was like, I had some one on one time win. He was like, he gave Triple H the hey, this guy over here. Yeah, let's do it. It's time. And Triple H finally put some steam under me. And then that's where it really like took off. And he's like, all right, I want to support you with these guys on that we were developing together off camera. And we just had instant chemistry is really very rare in the hip hop world. You get four people, including a female in a group that have the same amount of chemistry lyrically promo wise and just like interacting each other, like weaving in and out of conversation in like a minute and 10 seconds to get everybody's personality and all that stuff. It was very rare and a very like, uh, it was the perfect storm of things. I just wish it would have lasted. It would have been cool to last longer, but things happen for a reason. I was glad, happy for the moment with those guys. They didn't have the tenure in wrestling as long as they, they weren't doing this very long. So it was a lot, it was a lot happening very quick for them. I wish um, they would have had some more experience before getting the opportunity as well. Just getting blasted into drafting the SmackDown and stuff like that. That's a lot very quickly, but I was happy with the time I had with them, but without that experience and that, once again, a failure catapulted me to where I am now at AEW as tag team champions. I'm not afraid to fail. So that failure just catapulted me forward to doing even more than I am now. We have a, a question from Bruins Coverage at Bruins Coverage. Who's been your toughest opponent in the ring in your career to date? Matt Riddle, for sure. Yeah. Mm. Him or Sammy Callahan. <laughs> Good answers. Yeah. <laughs> Sammy Callahan. Love him. God, he's brutal. Yeah, he's something else, man. Sammy Callahan has hit me with more spit movies from multiple different directions in the ring than anybody else. Like he's like a camel, I swear. Yeah, I know. I've <laughs> I've done a few of his matches. Uh, one final question, and then Aubrey, you can wrap it up. Uh, you're a fellow podcaster. You've got uh, Swerve City Podcast. You've had a lot of great music guests on there. And uh, are you going to do some more episodes? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we uh, just announced that Chris Jericho is our next guest. Okay. We're actually going to be doing that episode at the Jericho Compound, actually. Wow. Nice. So that's going to be very unique, very interesting episode. We've done a lot of, like, great artists, great wrestlers, 
on the show. And it's like, once again, it's one of the ways of like, okay, how can we make this one unique? This is Jericho, you know? How do we like make a little spin? So we just collabed with them on things. And so I think this is going to be very special. I hope everybody taps in and watches that one. Okay. Can't tell you when the date is, but we have a schedule of filming it and then just like putting it on our channel stuff. It's coming soon. We all like TZ's always working the phones with like multiple different musicians, actors, comedians, just all different aspects of entertainment. You know, like and we had Lisa Ann on and she had a great time. And that's our goal to just like you never know what kind of guests we're going to get from whatever industry. That's why I like once again, those things that get me excited. I'm like, OK, what else can we do? How far can we really reach out? and expand our fan base and like make them keep them on their toes it's great man i just love this this whole podcast has been amazing it's super positive i love your outlook on life i love your work ethic i love your hustle and i'm so so happy you're finally at aew so thanks for thanks for being here today thank you guys for having me and making this transition money man seriously easy easy you can follow swerve on instagram and twitter swerve confident you can also listen and follow this podcast, new episodes every Thursday. We have the video version available Mondays on YouTube. Check it out. We've got Dynamite on TBS Wednesdays. We've got Rampage on TNT on Fridays. We've got Elevation Mondays. Dark on Tuesdays. We've got all this TV coming at you and all this amazing, amazing wrestling, including Swerve and Keith, Tag Team Champions. I'm Aubrey Edwards, along with Tony Schiavone. Thank you for listening to AEW Unrestricted. Come on, throw your hands up. Let me see you. Unrestricted. Turn it.